learn these things, these different books of the Bible. Hey, to be location conscious is a wonderful thing. As you may know, uh, whenever you say, Phil, I may still be in this boat, when, when you struggle trying to find where certain books are in the Bible, but then you get help and learn where the books of the Bible are, it helps out a whole lot. Now, I don't know if you've ever been really dependent upon those tabs to help you out, and those are wonderful, but uh, I think it's good for the kiddos to learn that. Well, before we get into the scripture tonight, um, although I don't want to uh, tip my hand, so to speak, of what we're going to look at, I want us to, to I'm going to ask you a question. I want to start off like this. Tell me something that you think, that you feel like you'd like to share, something in the Christian life that you find it's difficult to do. In the Christian life, something that you feel like is difficult to do. You say, nothing. I'm at 100% peace with Jesus. I'm good. That's great. But uh, things that maybe say in the Christian life, you might find it difficult to do. Okay, Aaron, what you got? Mm -hmm. Yep, it is. And keep on reading. I like that part there. You learn it, but keep on reading it. Absolutely. Keep on doing it. All right. Anybody want to share anything? Nico? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, turn the other cheek, yeah, absolutely. Surrendering your will to God's will, absolutely, yes, absolutely. I'm sorry, Miss Jane? Right, yeah, forgiving with reconciliation, restoring like nothing happened, absolutely, absolutely. Anything else? Don't say listening to the preacher, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead and open your Bibles tonight to Matthew 28, if you would. Matthew 28. And here in just a few moments, uh, at the end of our service, there is one thing uh, that we've got to do. It's a little bit different. There's one little matter of church business that I just got to tell, tell you about. It won't take but just a minute uh, to do that. Literally, probably take a minute, maybe two tops. Just something to share with you in a matter of church business. Uh, that'll be at the end. And then also, as we mentioned, we're starting our missions conference uh, coming up uh, this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Let me encourage you, pray about uh, you being here, being a part of that missions conference. In fact, when the service is over tonight, uh, we always love to decorate the auditorium with the flags from different countries. If you can hang around for a few moments, uh, we'd love to get some help putting the flags up. We just love to do that. Flags of the missionaries that we support. We also have flags of, of, of missionaries or countries, excuse me, that, uh, that we love to eventually see someone uh, be there and be a part of it and be a part of our mission family. But we love to decorate. It looks a lot different than what it does right now. And if you have a few moments, you can hang around with us. We're going to try to put the stuff up, make it look good for our missions conference. I love missions conference. And uh, I just encourage you as much as I can. I don't ever like to think I take the opportunity to try to push you on something. But I encourage you, if you can't be at the missions conference, be at it. I tell you, God can change your life and really help you in the way that you look at people in the lost world and people that need Christ. And we're going to have those meals at 6 o'clock, and then at 7 o'clock we'll have our services. Sam and Beth Quinn will be with us uh, on th uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and then the Furches family will be with us on Friday, and then Matt Cropsey uh, will be with us uh, on Sunday. Just looking forward to a great time of that. Uh, we only do it once a year. It's a great time, and I encourage you, if you can, to be a part of it. Well, as I mentioned just a minute ago, or asked you the question, I said, what are some things you find it difficult to do as a Christian? Some things that may, you may do it, but you may find it difficult. And a lot of great answers about truly forgiving someone, about submitting your will to whatever God's will is, to, to not just learn the Bible, but you're right, to keep on reading it, 
turning the other cheek, all these different things. But I want us to look at something tonight that I think, if we really, really are honest, either we have struggled with it, or maybe we are struggling with it, is this whole idea of what the last thing Jesus tells his disciples before he goes to heaven. And I want us to look tonight at the Great Commission. But I want us to really look at it, the idea of this, telling other people about Christ. I think sometimes a difficult thing for us to do in our Christian life, it's not something that we don't want to do, but I think a difficulty we have in our Christian life is sharing our faith with other people, but not only just sharing our faith with people that are lost, but also discipling people once they come to faith in Christ. You know, uh, I, I asked you do this. Uh, I don't normally ask you to raise hands. I will ask just a, how many of you, somebody, God used somebody to help you come to faith in Christ, whether through a Sunday school teacher, a parent, or somebody like it. Slip your hand up. So God used somebody to help you with that. Absolutely. That's great. And so you think about that. Now, now let me ask you this, and you don't have to raise your hand to this, but I wonder if God used somebody or multiple somebodies to help you grow as a Christian and get rooted as a Christian and to kind of grow. They discipled you. I think we could all say that there's been people that God has used to help disciple us, people that got in the trenches with us, so to speak, to help us with that. And that's what I want us to look at tonight. And when you think about the commands of Jesus and you think about what Jesus taught and what Jesus expected of his disciples, this was his very last command. And the very last thing he says before he goes back up into heaven, before the ascension, before eventually, as we see in Acts, as the Holy Ghost comes, but he gives a last command. And, and I think a lot of times when we hear something or someone says something, we pay attention a lot of times to the first thing someone says, but we really pay attention to what the last thing they say. And they say, don't forget this. And I've just looked at I've referenced these verses before, but I look back, I've actually never preached and taught on the Great Commission. And I just thought, and the Lord is, I had something else, just to be totally honest with you. But the Lord just kept bringing this back to my mind, saying, this is what we need. Missions conference is coming. Let's look at this. And in Matthew chapter 28, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 16. Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, him being Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, go ye therefore, and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, and with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Father, I pray you might bless our time in your word this evening. Lord, I thank you for those that are here. Lord, I pray you bless their faithfulness, Lord, their sacrifice. And Lord, as we just for a few moments take this passage that is very probably familiar to us, the Great Commission, and, Lord, in light of a missions conference coming up, Lord, this is a, this is a passage that's very profitable and, and relevant every day. And, Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at this and, Lord, really see what are you commanding, what are you telling your disciples to do. And, Lord, I pray you give wisdom. Lord, I pray you'd help me. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, empty of myself. And, Lord, for, just fill me with your presence and your spirit. Thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 28, now Jesus has been uh, crucified. He has been buried. He has risen from the dead. You get a little bit of that in the beginning of Matthew 28. And by the way, I'm excited. Easter's coming. 
Uh, Easter seems to be a little bit later this year. I think it's like the third weekend of April, so it's a little bit later. And uh, so I'm always excited about that part. But I tell you, in the life of Christ, we, we focus Christmas on the birth and everything of Christ. And we focus on Easter with the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ. And, and all through the year, we always look at the parables and miracles of Christ. But there's something about this portion of Scripture, this particular teaching, that honestly doesn't get taught much in churches. We hear of it just here and there. It's just a cliche. It's just a saying. But we don't really sometimes focus on what it means because this right here is a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do. And if you notice in, in chapter 28, verse number 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples, just to give you some context there, Judas has already went and hung himself. Judas has already betrayed Jesus. Judas has already felt convicted for what he did. And Judas has already taken his own life. There's only eleven disciples now. If you read over in the book of Acts, it does say there was a twelfth disciple. It says they got together and Matthias became the disciple that replaced Judas. But if you notice in verse number 16, he says here that they went, into, went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Now to understand this correctly, it means Jesus had already told them beforehand. Maybe it was before he died. Maybe it was an appearance of Christ uh, right after the resurrection. But he told them, hey, I, we're going to meet again in this mountain. And it says that they, they, they went there, they obeyed his command, they went there, and it says when they saw in verse 17 that some of them worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Kind of makes you think of doubting Thomas. You know, he doubted, I won't believe unless I can put my fingers in the prints of where the nails are and I can thrust my hand in his side. I won't believe. And Jesus comes to them. It doesn't really give them a very long benediction. Jesus, if you read the other accounts, it gives the Great Commission in the book of Mark, also in the book of Luke, John, and then again in Acts. But we see here Jesus is about to ascend up to heaven, and he kind of ends with these last things he wants them to know. And as you look at this, and he talks about in verse 18, all power is given unto me in earth and heaven. But then he looks at him. He says, I have this power. I have this authority. And because of this authority, I'm going to ask you to do some things. I'm going to actually not, excuse me, not ask. I'm going to command you to do some things. And he tells them to go. And he says, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to teach people. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I want you to, everything that I've taught you, I want you to teach them to observe the same thing. You know what he's asking them to do? Go make disciples. I said, Brother Phil, I was here Wednesday night. You started talking about disciples. And yes, after missions conference, we're going to continue talking about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. But I just felt kind of behooved, if you will, for us to the moment, this idea of ask yourself this. Are you a disciple maker? Now you say, Brother Phil, I don't even know if I'm a disciple of Christ. I don't really, I struggle in following Christ. Well, Jesus gives this command here, this great commission here. He gives it to his disciples and he says, I want you to go make disciples. That's part of the purpose. Our purpose in life is to glorify God as we studied this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 16, they may see your good works and what glorify not me, but glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And this idea of the Great Commission and what he's telling them here is this. He's like the message, the good news, and that's what the word gospel means, by the way. It means good news. He said this good news has to spread. He said the good news does not need to die with you 11 guys. And these 11 guys do something and start, and many women come alongside of them, 
and they spread the gospel about how Jesus came, how he was crucified, how he was buried, and he rose from the grave. And as we love to celebrate and enjoy is that salvation is a gift of God. Now, when we look at that, you've got to think about this. At one point in time, very, very few people knew the truth. Very, very few. Probably fewer than that's actually in this room tonight. So how in the world over in Israel, when you got a group of 11, it grew a little bit more. Like I said, some godly women that would follow as well. How do you go from a group of 11, a group of 20, to where we over here, thousands of miles away, know who Jesus is and know what Jesus done? They made disciples. They made disciples. They went out and said, this is what happened. They reached people for Christ and they discipled people for Christ. And as I mentioned earlier, imagine if those 11 said, you know what, that was really great. This was a great run with Jesus. I mean, these three and a half years were awesome. I will never forget it. I am so thankful for salvation. This was a great run. It was such a great thing. But you know what, it's time to go home and start being a tax collector, time to go be a fisherman. It's time to go back to do what I was doing. But I can't wait to get to heaven one day. We be in trouble spiritually because the word of God spread. And as you read the book of Acts and you see how the gospel spread, it stayed in Jerusalem, and this is not the message, but you want to know what? People started getting saved by the thousands in the book of Acts. And they loved it, and Jesus is telling them what? Go out. Go. Go out. And they loved it so much they kept staying there. And you actually read about the persecution of the church in the book of Acts. And you know what I firmly believe that is? I believe that was God's way of saying, I told you to go, so now I've got to bring this to help nudge you a little bit to get you to go out. And I want you to think about it tonight. The idea of forgiving people, the idea of really standing in the Bible and reading, the idea of submitting your will to God's will, the idea of being faithful to church and being a godly parent, whatever it is in your life, there is something that every single Christian is commanded, every one of us. We are commanded by God to make disciples, to make followers of Christ regardless of our skills, regardless of our abilities, regardless of our personalities. And the message has to get out. If you hold your place there in Matthew, I'm going to take you to probably a very familiar uh, uh, verse in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1. And of course, in Acts chapter number 1, you get Luke kind of giving a report about how Jesus, the ascension of Christ, how he ascended up into heaven... But you see in Acts chapter number Acts chapter number 1, and if you read in verse number 7, if you pick up with me, Acts 1 verse 7, and he said unto them, Jesus to his disciples, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked up steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Verse 11 says, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go up into heaven. So this is the ascension. This is where Jesus goes up. And so they're standing there, they're listening to him talk, and there he goes. <laughs> I mean, just imagine, here he goes. And as he's going up, he's telling them, 
hey, go be witnesses. But did you catch that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He says, be witnesses of me. You know what that sounds a whole lot like? Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Follow me. You know what he said to Andrew, James, and John? Follow me. You know what he said to Matthew, the tax collector? Follow me. So now he's saying, I'm going where you can't go. I'm going to heaven. So instead of following me, now I want you to be a witness of me. I want you to replicate. I want you to produce what I did pouring into your life. I want you to do that into the lives of other people. And I will tell you, this is the deep end of the pool that a lot of believers, a lot of churches never, ever get to. Is making disciples. Seeing people come to faith in Christ and making disciples. I've shared it with you before. There's nothing elaborate about it, but I really believe in a threefold purpose here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. I tell you, our threefold purpose, number one, is to evangelize the lost. We need to see people come to faith in Christ. I don't want people to feel good about dying and going to hell. I don't want them to feel good about going to church, feel good about being a little kinder on their job or saying the right thing or coming to church. But we are to evangelize the lost. We are to tell people who Jesus is and the love of God. What does it say in Scripture? It says, the goodness of God leadeth men to repentance. And we need to evangelize the lost. But we also say, secondly, that we are to baptize believers. That's a physical baptism that happens up there in that water. But also that is the idea of discipling. Baptize them, and now you're saved. Now let me teach you what it means to follow Christ. What Jesus meant when he said, follow me. And after we get through with our missions conference, we're really going to look at that for the next few weeks of what it means to truly follow Christ. But thirdly, not just evangelize the lost, not just disciple or baptize believers, but thirdly, mobilize disciples. You know what that means? That means people are saved. People grow in their faith. Now let's go out here and reproduce ourselves. Let's go out here and do that. By the way, the disciples... These 11 disciples did all three. Jesus showed himself to them and they trusted Christ. Jesus discipled them. And then Jesus is telling them right here, this is where you get Matthew 28. Go ye, and all, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is where you get the idea of sending out disciples. You know, there's a lot of churches across our land. I think if I read it correctly, somewhere between 100 and 200 churches in our country alone, regardless, I know many different denominations, will close every single year. This year, close to 100 to 200 churches will close. You know why? Because they're dying. Why are they dying? Because they're not discipling and they're not making disciples. If a group of people keep the gospel to themselves long enough and those people grow older and go on, there's nothing to give to the next generation. There's nothing to give to them. Hey, that's why we have the kids up here doing the books of the Bible. That's why we have our Wednesday night programs. That's why we have children's church. What are we trying to do? We're discipling our children. We're trying to disciple them. We're trying to teach them the ways of God. Because what does it say over and over again, especially at the end of, I believe it's the book of, uh, of Judges, Whenever they constantly kept going on and said, and there arose a generation that knew not the Lord, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Their captivity came, and the children of Israel in the Old Testament was because somebody quit discipling the generations to come.
And when we look at this mentality of what it means to make a disciple or be disciple, you say, Phil, I'm here. I haven't been saved real long. Let me encourage you. If you come to faith in Christ, you need to be discipled, jump in. Talk to myself, talk to somebody. Let's do what we can to help you in your walk with Christ. I tell you, you need to be rooted and grounded in truth. How many of us have seen people come to faith in Christ only for a few months or even a few short years later get carried off by some other type of doctrine or some type of heresy? Why is it? Because they never got discipled. Because they never got rooted and grounded in truth. It is so, so important. It is so important that we understand that. And this idea of, as he says here, baptizing them and, and, and reaching them and sending it out. But as it says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, you shall be witnesses of me, what, both in Jerusalem, that's where they're at, the city, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Now, when we come to missions conference, we think about the uttermost part, don't we? That's what we think about. We think about bringing in missionaries. We think about showing slides. We think about hearing people talk that are going to places that we will probably never go. We a lot of times talk about, well, I'll give money to help out missionaries as we talk about grace giving or faith promise, however you like to look at it. I call it grace giving as far as helping missionaries go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But can I tell you, we miss the mark as a church if we support the uttermost but reject our Jerusalem. We miss the mark of hoping and praying and sending people and giving to people to make disciples, whether they be in China, whether they be in Germany, whether they be in Africa, whether they be somewhere in the United States, but we fail to reach our own Jerusalem. I think there's not a person in this room that wouldn't say, you know what, Milledgeville could be a little bit better city. Baldwin County could be a little bit better county. Well, it's not going to get better on its own. <laughs> it's going to get better by what? By us doing what we can do to tell people about Christ, to reach people with Christ. Say, Brother Phil, the Bible says evil men seducers shall wax worse and worse. That's absolutely true. It does say it's going to get worse. But I just happen to believe through, as it says in Acts 1a, I believe as it says in Matthew 28, verse number 18, that God has all the power that he is all-powerful, that he can see people saved, he can see people's lives changed. You, some of you in this room, if not all of us in this room, your life has been changed because of what Christ has done in your life. And I dare say, not taking any glory away from Christ, God used somebody to help institute that change. And now what Jesus is saying here and what he's saying to us is go be that somebody. Be that somebody. If you need to be discipled more, get discipled more. Ask about it. Dive into it. Do what you need to do to learn and grow more. But to do that discipleship, to, to, to grow in your walk spiritually. And how do we do that, looking at these verses? How do we make disciples? How do we do that? Well, if you see in verses number 19 and 20 of Matthew 28, first thing he says is go. You can't reach anybody if you're not willing to go to them. I can't. I can't look at a missionary and say, missionary say, hey, we're going to go over here to Canada. We're going to reach people for Christ, but I'm scared to death to get on that plane. I ain't going to get in that bus. I'm going to be a missionary and tell people in Canada about Christ, but I don't think I'm going to leave Milledgeville. Can't do it unless you go. You got to go. You got to go where they're at. You got to be willing to go where those people are at. I'm not saying you got to condone sin or anything like that. But, you know, you've got to reach people where they're at, not where you think they ought to be. You've got to reach people where they're at. 
And you've got to help them in their spiritual life and show them Christ and, and disciple them and lead them to Christ. And, and I'm trying to get us to understand here is that making disciples is not just leading people to Christ, but we also should be at the point that we should be able to help other believers grow in their faith in Christ. It means that you see someone saved. Now as they say, Brother Phil, I do everything I can to see someone get saved. I don't know if I can help anybody. Can I tell you, if you're a parent in this room, you are called to be a disciple maker. If you are a parent in this room, you are called to be a disciple maker because God gave you children. If you don't disciple your children, who will? The world would love a go at it. The flesh would love a go at it. Well, I'm not qualified to it. None of us are. But thank God, he's the one with the power. He's the one with the authority. He's the one with the wisdom. He's the one that can guide us. I can't tell you how many times my kids will ask me a question. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give you some great nuggets of wisdom. You ready? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm willing to go look. See, a disciple maker says this. I'll be honest. I'll tell you I don't know. But I care enough about you that I'm willing to dig in this book with you to help you find out what it does mean. What does God want to teach us in this? But that idea of discipleship, I heard one person say it like this, discipleship is the long walk, not the quick sprint. Discipleship is that long walk. I mean, think about Jesus, three and a half years. You've got to like somebody a whole lot to spend three and a half years with them. You know, some of us don't even like, well, well never mind. You know, you've you got, you got to like somebody a lot three and a half years. Every day, three and a half years. I mean, there were some woman at the well experiences. But those disciples, he knew what he wanted. Peter, James, John, Philip, Nathaniel, Bartholomew. He knew what he wanted all of them to do. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm willing to take that long walk with you. I'm willing to spend three and a half years with you. I ain't saying that that's the magic number. But we've got to realize something about making disciples and being a disciple is not just about memorizing this passage of Scripture. A lot of us feel very comfortable that we can quote the Bible. But it's not so much that we can quote the Bible, that we live the Bible. It's not so much that I can say, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want to hear me quote it. He wants to see me do it. It's kind of like uh, if, you, if you go to work and you've got somebody that works underneath you or you have children and you give them something to do and you call them after a while and say, hey, uh, did you do what I told you to do? And they said, well, I just want to tell you something, Mom. I want you to know when you told me that I better go to my room and I better make my bed and I better make my bed right and I better pick up all the clothes and put the dirty ones in the hamper and, and I want you also to know I remember what you said. Put the shoes under the bed exactly where they need to go to take the knots out of the shoes. I remember that. And I remember you said, don't just cram everything in the closet. Now get out the dirty clothes here and put the clean clothes right here. I want you to know, Mom, I know exactly what you said. I can quote it to you. I can quote it in Hebrew to you, Mom, if you want me to. Thou shalt clean your room. Thou shalt do. You know what you're going to look at him and say? Hmm. But you didn't do what I asked you to do. Scared is not the right word, but it's the only word I can think of. I'm scared I'm going to stand before God and tell him all these things that he said, but didn't do the things he, that he wanted me to do. I mean I, I mean, I can say the verses. You can say the verses. But are we doing the things he commands us to do? 
Are, are we doing those things? I mean, it's not, it's, it's not enough just to quote them. It's not enough to sit here and say, go ye therefore. It's, it, what is enough is to actually go, to actually do it, to actually be that light as we talked about this morning, to be that salt. Not just to say, uh, you know what, let your light so shine. You know what we ought to do? Let our light shine. Quit talking about it and start doing is what I need to do. And you can just jump in anywhere you want to with me on this ride. But I feel very convicted that I have a lot of discipleship memorized, but I don't have a lot of discipleship applied in my life and the way that I do things and understanding this and taking that long walk with people. And, and, and you, you know as well as I do, if there's been somebody in your life that was there for you spiritually, they weren't just there and said, hey, I'm praying for you, but they were with you there in the bad times. You want to know what a good disciple maker is? It's somebody that's there with you when you're discouraged. It's there that somebody there with you when you're struggling within your job or in your family or with an addiction or something like that. It's somebody that you could go to for answers. It's somebody that you could get through doubts in your life and you had that person you could cling to. You know why? Because they're not telling you how to live your life. They're walking through life with you. And let me tell you, that's awesome. I thank God for all the people he's put in my life that didn't just tell me how to live a Christian life, but walked through my Christian life with me that saw the highs and also saw me at my worst, but didn't give up on me. We all want this instant surface-level discipleship. We all want this, oh, well, they're re- they, they got a Bible in church. Oh, they showed up today, and that's great. I'm not downplaying going to church. I'm not downplaying them praying or reading their Bible. But we, sh- we should want discipleship. We should want to see people fall so much in love with Jesus that it's just so evident that Jesus is Lord of their life. It's just so evident. It's not just for show. They're not just doing it for whatever reason. But they're doing it because they love Jesus. And when we think about this and, and look at this passage of Scripture, he tells them, if you're ever going to be a disciple maker, you've got to go. Now, go doesn't always mean go halfway around the world. Go maybe walk across your kitchen into your kid's room. Go maybe mean go to the next cubicle. Go may mean that you need to go to that neighbor that lives across the street. Go may be, may be the person that God puts in your, in your eyesight there at Walmart or, or wherever you're at. Go may be your mom and dad that don't know the Lord. But it's go, whatever it is. If you're like me, I wish for so many things. I wish God would do this. I wish God would do that. But what am I actively going and doing? What am I actively seeking to help bring someone closer to Christ, to have a relationship and to grow, to walk through it and to do that? You know, I heard someone say this. We have to understand that true discipleship is getting across a message, a two-part message. Part of that message is this, is to tell people who God is. You'll never be able to disciple somebody until you show to them who God is. You say, well, what do you mean who God is? Well, we're not going to take time to look at it, but Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17, you remember what Jesus says? They came from Caesarea, and he says, all right, some people think I'm a prophet, some people think I'm this, and he says, who do you say that I am? And remember, uh, some of them were like, well, I, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. But he looked right at Peter. He says, who do you say that I am? He already knew who he was. He wanted to know if Peter really knew who he was. 
And I love Peter's response. Thou art the Christ, not a Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what I love? He looks at him and says, Peter, flesh has not revealed this to you. You have not revealed this to yourself. But my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed who I am to you. To disciple somebody is to let them know who Jesus is. But the second part of discipleship in going is this, is also telling them who they are to God. You know, we live in a world today that people feel worthless. Suicide is at its all-time high now that it's ever been across here. And by the way, it's not just with adults. It's with teenagers. It's with children that take their life. Part of the message of discipleship is not just who God is, but who they are in the eyes of God. They are his workmanship. We are crafted in the image. We're made in the image of God for the glory of God. We are his loved. We are the creation of God, and he wants us to be the children of God and that he loves us, and we need to explain to people. You say, Phil, I don't know where to start with people. You can tell them who Jesus is, and you can tell them who they are to Jesus. Tell them who they are and the importance that they have, that why God created them and why they're here. And it says here to go, but then it says also baptizing them, and that's the idea of this, and I encourage you, and not necessarily the work, but I encourage you, part of the walk with Christ is not, you know, it is accepting Christ as your Savior, but when we talk about getting baptized, we talk about being immersed in the water, there's nothing special about that water. I remember the first time I baptized somebody here, it was Maggie and Noah, and I created a word. You ever create words when you get nervous? I know some of y'all don't. I do. Some of y'all remember what I said when I got in that pool. I was trying to emphasize there was nothing magical about the water. It's just a symbol. You know what I said? I touched the water for dramatic effect. And I brought it up and you said, there's no magicness in this water. I heard it, magicness? What? Yeah. But can I tell you something? The water that we put in that tub is the same water that come out your faucet. But Jesus says, this is my first commandment for you as a believer. Follow me. And believers, you know why? You know what baptism is? It's saying I'm identifying with Christ. I'm identifying publicly with Christ. He says you go and you baptize them. You show them and help them on their walk with God. But then he also goes on to say this, but to teach them, look in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. You say, okay, what do you mean? I got to teach them? What am I going to teach them? You've been here the last few weeks. You know what we got to teach them? How to be meek. How to be merciful. How to mourn for your sin. We got to teach how to be a peacemaker. We got to teach how to deal with being persecuted for righteousness sake. We've got to teach all these different things. How to show grace to people that don't deserve grace. To show love to people that don't need love. Those are the things that he tells us to teach them to observe them. And if you ever notice something, there's an awesome promise here in this passage. We don't look at it. We look at go and it scares us. We look at baptize and it scares us. We look at teach them to observe and it scares us. But there's an awesome, awesome promise here. This is where this promise is that we claim a lot of times and we're not supposed to claim it. This is where we're supposed to claim this. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world.
You know what he's telling them? A lot of us like to live any way we want to live and say, oh, Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always. He gave them that promise as part of obeying him and discipling them. You know what that means? That means when I get that question I'm not prepared for, God's going to help me. He's not going to leave me hanging. That's why whenever I don't have the words, that he'll give me the words. I'll be honest with you, I get up a lot of times, oh, every time, unless I forget them like I did about a month ago, with notes when I get up to preach. Because I believe there's something about being organized. I believe there's something about preparing and studying. But you know what I really pray before I get up here and just letting you in a little bit about my life? I pray, God, if there's something on this page that you don't want me to say, don't let me say it. But if there's something that I don't have down here that you need for someone to hear one person, give me that word. Give me that sentence. Give me that wisdom. And when we think about this, I'm asking him, be with me. You say, Brother Phil, I, I try to disciple people. What is successful discipleship? You ever wonder sometimes you try to help people long spiritually? Where, how do you ever feel successful? Well, I think sometimes the best way you can feel successful is when you see it really blossom in someone else's life. Have you ever spent time praying with somebody, working with somebody, sharing with them and pouring your heart into them and, and, and just pouring your life into them? And then one day you look down the road and you see them getting it. You see them doing it. I know some of you that, that are older than I am, you've poured your life, you've poured your years into those people and to now see people rising up and also trying to live for God and trying to disciple other people, that's the reward, and that's awesome. It's awesome. And I just want to encourage you tonight. We're going into this missions conference, but the fear is we'll just focus on what the missionaries are supposed to do and neglect what we're supposed to do. You say, well, we're supposed to give. We're supposed to pray. You're absolutely right. But we're also commanded to go. We're also commanded to baptize. We're also commanded to teach. You can't teach what you don't know. That means you got to dive in. You got to make it real. And I just encourage you with this as, as we close uh, the, the preaching part here. I'm just telling you, totally honest, if you're somebody that really would like to know more about Christ and would like to be discipled more, I don't care if you've been saved for 15 minutes or 50 years. Come talk to me. I may not be the person to disciple you, but I'll tell you, there's good people here that would love to help you in your Christian world. Don't be too prideful to grow in Christ. Some people will never grow as a Christian because they're too prideful. Be willing to get help from somebody else that's imperfect, okay? But also this. The Bible also says that we reach an age where we shouldn't be desiring milk. We should be on the meat. And some of us have been saved long enough. Time to put the milk down. It's time to pick up the meat. And it's time to help some other people in the walk, in the milk of the word. And maybe just ask God, God, give me somebody that I can disciple this year. God, give me somebody that I can help to help them in their walk with God. Not that they look at you as some spiritual giant, because remember, they're supposed to see your good works and glorify your Father, not glorify you. They're not supposed to glorify me. But to look and say, God, you are worthy. And, and I tell you, there's some great joys in life. One of the great joys is when you, God uses you to see someone put their faith and trust in Christ. It's an awesome feeling. 
But I tell you, it's, a, it's pretty close on the awesome list to be able to help someone in their spiritual walk, to see their ups, to see their downs, and to see them get back up and keep going forward for God. That's a pretty awesome feeling. And we can claim those promises. Father, thank you for the night. Thank you for the time we can be together. And Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to desire, Lord, to be discipled if we need to be discipled. Lord, I know in my life there's never a time I should stop wanting to grow. Thank you, Lord, for the people that have been in my life that have discipled me. And Lord, the people you have in my life right now that are still discipling me, I thank you for them. And Lord, I pray you would just help us all to look for somebody that we can reach for you, whether it's through bringing them to faith and trust in Christ, or Lord, whether it's bringing them just to help them understand more about Scripture, to understand more about who God is and his wonderful plan for all of us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.